Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. If you're a woman in the room, how many of you have ever been to one of our She Collective Nights? Let me hear you. Come on. Hey, that was a very weak cheer, because if you've ever been to one of our She Collective Nights, you know we like to have a good time. And our next night is coming up on Friday, June 2nd. So let me see you pull out your cell phones right now, plug that into your calendar. You don't want to miss it, because something amazing happens when women gather. And so we're going to get together. We're going to have some fun. I'm sure there will be some random nonsense But my very dear friend is going to be preaching that night, and you're not going to want to miss what she has to say. So make sure you save the date, Friday, June 2nd. In fact, you can text the word SHE to our number, and it will give you all the information you need. It's coming up, you guys, and we're going to have a good time. So I'm hoping every single one of you women will be there with us. And speaking about all of the women in the room, I'm going to help you out with something. Some of you are unaware that next Sunday is, does anybody know? Ah, that means you've all been shopping and you already have the, babe, you already have my card and a gift and everything ready for me, right? Awesome. Hey, this is just your warning. You've got a week to get ready to celebrate your moms. But I want to tell you, at the Movement Church, we are all about celebrating our moms, the women in our world who have invested so much. And so we're going to have a party planned. You got to bring your mom with you. If she lives out of town, just grab someone who kind of acts like a mom and bring them with you to church. Okay. If you're a mom, you're not going to want to miss it. We have some great things in store for you. And listen, if you know, or if you are a single mom, or if you're here in this room and maybe you're a widow and, and you just kind of feeling on your own at Mother's Day, you are not alone. Because at the Movement Church, we are family. And we want to celebrate you and honor you on Mother's Day. So we are going to be celebrating every one of our single moms and widows. And we have a special gift for you. So do not miss it. And anybody that you know that needs to be here, make sure you bring them with you to church next week. Okay? You guys with me? Awesome. Hey, it's a good day to be at church. It was raining this morning, but now the sun is shining. I was so proud of our team. They were here setting up in the rain. Some of them were holding umbrellas and escorting people from their cars to the front door. I'm telling you, it's a good day to be at church. It's not by accident you're here. And if you're visiting with us for the first time, we're just honored you chose to spend your Sunday with us. My name is Megan. My husband, Carrie, and I are the pastors here. He was the really good-looking guy on the stage at the end of worship. And hey, listen, we just, we're great. We're greatly excited that you are here. And I think that God has something in store for you today. We're in the middle of a series called Potato Head. And I know it's a little bit funny, kind of an awkward name for a sermon series, right? But let me just tell you a little bit about it. That potato head toy, I think most of us probably played with when we were growing up, right? It's kind of an ageless toy. It's been around for a long time. And time has changed and culture has changed, but the principles of that toy are still the same. And the same thing goes for our families, for our marriages. Time has changed. Culture has changed. But the principles for establishing a healthy family, a healthy marriage, becoming a healthy single individual, 
The principles have never changed. And that's what we're unpacking in this series, Mr. Potato Head. And, and so we're just having a little bit of fun with it as we go. But could you do me a favor before we jump into the message this morning? Could you just bow your head and close your eyes? And let's just invite God to do what he wants to do in this place today. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. I thank you for what you're doing here at the Movement Church. God, I thank you that you have great things in store for every individual that is here. God, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive exactly what you have for us. God, in the message today, I just pray that there would be a specific moment that speaks to every single person in this room, regardless of where they're at. And God, I thank you that you are here with us because we need your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, that's just a fancy word for I agree. So if you're not familiar with church language, it's just I agree. I'm with you. I want it to be good too, right? So listen, if you think today that I say something that is awesome, it would make me feel great if you could just respond and you can say something like, wow, everybody try it. I feel good about myself already. If you think there's something in the message today that you're like, that's a good point, say, that's good. Awesome. If you don't like anything that's happening today, don't talk. And don't laugh. That will really hurt my feelings. I'll feel really insecure up here. Hey, listen, my daughter, Brooklyn, when she was about, oh, three or four years old, she's 13 now, uh, she was given a bunch of hand-me-down toys. And she was given this container of Mr. Potato Heads. Anybody ever gotten the Mr. Potato Head toy handed down to you, not like fresh out of the box? Okay, so when you get a handed down Mr. Potato Head, you might get the body of the potato, but you get all sorts of random parts. Like it is just not put together the way that it's supposed to be. I was having a little bit of fun putting this guy together because I put eyes in the back of the head. The mouth's in the wrong place, too. You guys with me here? I'm just seeing if you're awake this morning. I was having some fun, but when my daughter got this toy, it came with all of these random parts. Oops. And, and you really couldn't put together an actual potato head with the face and the ears and the arms and the legs. It was like just a million arms or a million mouths or ears or whatever it might be. And I just wonder if for everybody in the room today, each of us has been handed a perspective of what the family should look like that's just a little discombobulated. You see, every single family, regardless of how amazing you are and how amazing your parents were, every single family has a little bit of dysfunction. Every one of us, we're all guilty. And I just think that some of us have been handed this picture of a family that is just a little bit different than what God intended it to be, right? And I was, we were doing pre-marriage counseling with an amazing couple who's here in this church. I didn't tell them I was going to talk about them, so you don't get to know their name. But, but they, they were just sharing about their family heritage. And, and one of the couples that's about to get married was just sharing that they grew up in a family where everyone talked about everything. Everyone in that family had something to say. And the louder you could say it, the better. And the person to get the last word was the winner, right? Anybody grow up in a family like that where everybody has something to say? And the other spouse, the, person, the other person was like, I did not grow up in a family like that at all. In fact, in my family, we ignored every kind of problem that could be happening. It's like, what? No, we're good. We're great, right? All the time. And somebody, anybody grew up in a family like that where everything's just always okay? Some brave people raised their hands in the room this morning. Hey, listen, and they're talking and they're saying, we're coming into this marriage 
with some different perspectives on what family looks like. And some of you might have grown up in a family that was all mouths, right? It was just all, you talked about everything. You always had something to say. Some of you might have grown up in a family that was all ears, just always listening but never speaking. And it was like, if we don't talk about it, it's not really happening, right? And some of you grew up in a family that was all arms and legs and you were just learning to dodge the punches and the kicks that were coming your way. It's true. Every single one of us has a different perspective of family based upon the past and how we grew up. But God has a perspective for the family that if applied to our lives, we can actually be a strong family unit. And that applies to anyone in this room today. So whether you're here and you are a single individual, or maybe you're here and you're early in your marriage, or maybe you're here and you're raising 5,000 kids, whoever you are, there's something in this message for you today because God has a plan and a purpose for you as an individual, and God has a plan and a purpose for your family of what it's supposed to look like. And so I want to talk to you today about what God says about an emotionally healthy family, because we can't base what our family's supposed to look like off of what's been handed to us in our past experience. It's got to be founded upon the Word of God, right? Got to be founded upon the Word of God. And really, an emotionally healthy family starts with you, starts with me. In order to be emotionally healthy, I've got to do the work necessary on me first, right? I think they have a picture of a, a wine barrel they're going to put up on the screen. And you see this barrel, it has a bunch of slats. And I think that every single one of you could look at this picture and understand that if one of the slats in this barrel is broken, right, if it's just cut off halfway, you could only fill the barrel with liquid up to the point of the lowest slat. Does that make sense? So in your families, your family can only be as emotionally healthy as the least emotionally healthy individual. Now, before you start going, I knew it. I knew it was my husband's fault. <laughs> knew it was all him. Or I knew it was my wife's fault. Before you start blaming somebody, listen, you are ridiculously responsible for your own life. You can't change anybody else. You can't control anybody else, but you can work on you. So in the message today, don't elbow your neighbor. Don't write down notes for your spouse. Don't be thinking about what your kids need to get better at. I want you to think about what do I need to do? Because to have an emotionally healthy family, you have to be an emotionally healthy individual. In the first week of this series, Pastor Jeremy preached an awesome word on building firm foundations. And he just talked about, you got to have a firm foundation for anything to stand, right? If you're building a house, you've got to check the foundation first. Because when the storms of life come, you want that house to stay standing. And in our own personal lives, we need a firm foundation. Because the storms of life will come. They're coming for you. And we need to know that our lives are built on a solid foundation so that we don't crash, right? And the solid foundation that Pastor, Pastor Jeremy talked about is found in the Word of God. So simple. It's found in the Word of God. And how many of you are familiar with the movie The Wizard of Oz? Anybody? Unless you've been living under a rock for like 30 years, you should know a little bit about this movie. If you haven't seen it, maybe you at least know the concept here. So Dorothy is the main character, and Dorothy has been in this tornado twirling around in the sky, and she wakes up and finds herself in this magical, enchanted world, right? And she wakes up, and her one thought is, I have to get home. 
So what am I going to do to get to that place of peace? Where am I going to, what am I going to do to get to that place called home? And she begins this endless search and she starts grasping for answers in relationships with some odd characters. And she starts searching out the Emerald City because it's like the shining thing that promises her that there may be a solution for her problem, right? And so she's searching and she's going all through the land of Oz, but really... What Dorothy doesn't realize is that the solution, the answer, is with her the entire time. It's the ruby slippers, right? It's the ruby slippers. You guys have got to go watch Wizard of Oz if you're not familiar. She has the answer with her the entire time. And listen, we are just like this. We're constantly searching for fulfillment. We're constantly searching for happiness. We're constantly searching to become the person that we know we were created to be. But oftentimes we're looking for it in relationships. Oftentimes we're looking for it in our job status. Oftentimes we're looking for it in the house or the car or the material things that we can get our hands on. Just searching for happiness and searching for peace. But the answer that you and I need is found with us the entire time. The foundation for our lives has got to be the word of God. And at the Movement Church, we've done everything that we can do to remove the obstacles for you so that you can learn how to read the Word of God and apply it to your life. If you're here today and you're going, that sounds great, but I have no idea how to read the Bible, we have an answer for you. You can go to the Movement Church page and you can click on the word read. And when you click on that word read, it's going to tell you exactly what to read in the Bible. And it's going to tell you exactly what to do while you're reading it. Listen, we are removing any obstacles so that you can find some solutions in the Word of God. And there's an app on most of your smartphones called YouVersion. And it has some reading plans that talk about topics that you're dealing with, things that you're walking through in your life right now. And you can download it, and you can read one of those plans and build a foundation upon the Word of God. And guess what? If you're here today and you don't know what the next step looks like for you, you can text the word next step to the number that's on the screen and in just a couple minutes, you can discover what your next step looks like in this walk with God. Hey, listen, we're removing as many obstacles as we can because we have got to build a foundation upon the word of God. That is the one thing that will never change. That is the one thing that we can count on, right? It's the word of God. And then we've got to learn to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit daily. When Jesus, after he gave his life on the cross and he ascended into heaven, he said, I have to go because I'm sending someone better. He said, I'm sending the gift of my Holy Spirit that will be with you always. It will be with you always. It's the comforter, the guide, the counselor, the friend. And listen, I am nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. I am no good on my own. So to be an emotionally healthy individual, I have got to rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. There's a scripture that unpacks this, and I love it in the message version. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 23. And I'm going to read it to you, because the writer is giving us some specific advice, and I want you to kind of listen and go, God, what are you trying to say to me, right? My counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. What? It's saying live a spirit-led life. Let the Holy Spirit lead you in every decision and every step you make. And it says this, then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Now, isn't that just the problem in most of our relationships? In our marriages, 
with our children, in the workplace, in our friendships. Selfishness. It gets us in trouble all the time when we're only concerned about ourselves. And it's saying live led by the Spirit, and then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, these two ways of life are antithetical. So you cannot live at times one way and at times another way. Listen, you can't be wishy-washy about this. You don't get to have one foot over here doing what God wants you to do and one foot over here doing what you want to do, right? Don't be wishy-washy. It's saying live a life led by the spirit. Why don't you choose to be led by the Spirit and so escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated existence? Listen, our life and relationship with God was never about a list of do's and don'ts. It was never about rules and regulations. It is always about living a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. It says it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. And isn't this just like us? Striving to find things that will make us feel happy and fulfilled. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper. An impotence to love or to be loved. Divided homes and divided lives small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on, the writer says. I think they're trying to get a point across here that this is not the kind of life that we want, right? And then he says, this isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom in this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. But listen, what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way like fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance for life, serenity. That's peace, you guys. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, but able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. This is a life led by the Spirit of God. In other versions, you've probably heard it more clearly said that if we are living a life that is led by the Holy Spirit, then the fruit of that life will look like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of a spirit-led life. And if we want to have an emotionally healthy family, whether you are a single individual here and you're saying, well, one day I'd like to have a you know, healthy family, or maybe you're here and you just started in a marriage and you want some things to go well for you, or maybe you're raising kids, or maybe the kids are gone and they're out of the nest, but you're still desiring that healthy family. Listen, if you want to have an emotionally healthy family, you first have to be an emotionally healthy individual. And that starts by building your life on the foundation of God's word and choosing daily to be led by the Spirit of God. And then there's some principles that we can apply that begin to help breathe life and health into our families. 
So today I want to talk to you about three principles for an emotionally healthy family. And I'm going to give them to you up front, and then I'm going to break them down. So three principles for an emotionally healthy family are this. Feel it, own it, lead it. Feel it, own it, lead it. If you're taking notes, and you should be, write that down. Feel it, own it, lead it. Everybody say it. Feel it, own it, lead it. These are three principles for an emotionally healthy family. The first one is you've got to feel it. You know, in my house, Pastor Kerry likes to get up here and talk about how he's the only male in our house full of women. And it's true. And he likes to complain about the fact that there's lots of estrogen in our house. And, you know, it's true. And sometimes in my house, we just like to cry. Sometimes we just need to cry. It's the truth. And there was a day not too long ago where... I walked in, and my, my teenage daughter had just had a rough day at school, and, and she, she was just frustrated with some things that were going on with some friends, with some classes, with some pressure that she was feeling, and she was just starting to cry and kind of having a moment in her room, and I walked down the hall, and I found my eight-year-old, and she's sitting in her room crying, and kind of like this, that kind, you know what I mean, like where you can't even catch your breath, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, and I put my arms around her, and I'm holding her, and she's... I said, why are you crying? And she said, I don't know. And I was like, yeah, sometimes we just need to cry, don't we? And then I start crying. And then Pastor Kerry walks in, and he's like, what is happening? And then he starts crying. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. He didn't. But sometimes you just need to cry. And the first principle of an emotionally healthy family is we've got to learn how to feel it. Feelings are real. Feelings are valid. Hey, listen, God made you an emotional being. Some of you don't think you're an emotional being. You've trained yourself to respond like a robot in situations. But God made you an emotional being. You have real feelings. And you've got to acknowledge those real feelings. And maybe some of you grew up in a home where you just never talked about anything. Maybe it was the kind of home where if you were upset or sad, your parents were just like, get over it, move on, let's go. Right? Maybe you grew up in that kind of an environment. Maybe you grew up in an environment like me where my family talked about everything. All of the kids would go downstairs and sit on my parents' bed, and we would all share our feelings. And some of us talked about our feelings a little too much. We hung out in our feelings a little too much. But to have an emotionally healthy family, you've got to acknowledge that feelings are real. Feelings are valid, and you need to feel it. You need to. Now, there's a balance to all of this, right? we got to learn how to feel but we can't just linger there. You can spend a moment. You can spend a few moments. But you don't need to spend your whole day, your whole week, your whole month caught up in an emotional mess of feelings, right? So some of us in this room, we need to get some balance because we're kind of like a sponge. We soak up every kind of emotion that is going on in our world. Every situation that's happening, we feel it deeply, right? We soak it all in. But a sponge, when it soaks in water and it sits in that water for a long time, what happens to it? It gets moldy and disgusting and gross, right? So if you're that kind of person who tends to be a little more emotional, who tends to be a little bit more of a feeler, maybe for you, you need to learn to take a minute and feel it and then wring that thing out right? Let it dry so it doesn't get moldy and gross. But some of you in this room, you're kind of like a rock. You have trained yourself to be completely hard, shutting off every kind of emotion that you could possibly feel. And hey, my advice is to you, it's time to take a chisel and a hammer and to crack through that tough exterior. 
because you have feelings. So in an emotionally healthy family, we learn how to acknowledge feelings. And one of the things you can do, listen, I am not a licensed therapist or psychiatrist, and I don't mean to make it sound overly simple, but it kind of is. When you're walking through some things and you're feeling strong emotions, whether they're toxic emotions or great emotions, take a moment to feel it and acknowledge it. Ask yourself the question, what am I feeling? What is this I'm feeling? Ask yourself the question, why do I feel this way? You know, the other day, one of my daughters, happen to have a daughter in the room this morning, one of my daughters, you'll never know who it is, was really, really frustrated with her sister, like angry, just over it. And she was just telling me everything she felt about her sister, and she was really angry. And so I sat there listening for a minute, and then I said, so why do you feel this way? And then the more she began to think about it, the more she began to realize that she was irritated at her sister, but her sister wasn't the real problem. The real problem was she was struggling through some other emotions and some feelings of just nervousness and anxiousness that she needed to deal with, right? So when you have feelings, it's important to go, what am I feeling and why am I feeling this way, right? And then you ask yourself the question, what does this feeling need? What does it need? Maybe it needs a conversation. Maybe you need to have a conversation with someone and, and share what's going on on the inside. Maybe that feeling just needs a moment. Maybe you just need to breathe. Take a moment. Go for a run. Sit and read a book. Maybe that feeling needs to process out loud. If you're an external processor, sometimes you just got to talk things through, right? Maybe you need to write that thing down on paper so you can get it out. Maybe that feeling just needs a different perspective. Maybe you need to allow someone to speak into your life and help you get a different perspective. Maybe that different perspective is found in the Word of God. But it's important to take a moment and feel it, right? David in the Bible, he's a character that I love. And David went through some crazy situations. He was abandoned, hunted down by a friend. He had this amazing purpose, but yet there was this long period of time while he was waiting for it. And David, he was great about pouring out his heart to God. And in the book of Psalm, you can go through and you can read. And there's all these different prayers that David prayed. But in Psalm 139, David prayed this prayer, and he's telling God, I know you know me, God. I know you made me, you formed me, you know when I stand up, you know when I sit down. God, I need you right now because I can't figure out what I'm thinking and feeling. And he gets to this part in verse 23 and 24, and he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You see, David acknowledged that sometimes it's hard to understand what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. So he asked God for help. God, help me understand what's going on. Search my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. But then he got to this point. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me in the path of everlasting life. We've got to learn how to feel it. We also have to learn how to own it. Point out anything in me, God, that offends you. You know, we are excellent blamers. Not just me, you. You are an excellent blamer. You are really good at blaming people. I am really good at blaming people. Why? Because when we blame someone else for the crazy feelings that we're walking through, it takes the focus off of our own insufficiency. And most of the time, when we're feeling angry, when we're feeling hurt, when we're feeling discouraged, when we're feeling let down, we can easily blame someone else for those feelings. But we have got to learn to own our part in it. 
The scripture talks about pointing out the plank in someone else's eye because we love to complain about what everyone else, what everyone else did wrong, why everyone else is treating me poorly, right? But Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Tarsh. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Hey, listen, to become an emotionally healthy family, we've got to learn to own our part in the problem. And owning it just means taking responsibility. So here's what you do. You ask yourself, what could I have done better? This room got real quiet because the own it part of this is the challenging part. It's easy to blame others. It's easy to complain about your spouse. It's easy to complain about your boss. It's easy to complain about your employees. But what part can I own? You ask yourself the question, what could I have done better? You ask yourself the question, what can I do better moving forward? Hey, listen, we've got to learn not just to feel it, but to own it. You know, and moms and dads, some of you in this room, you're raising kids. And we've got to teach our kids to own their part in the problem as well. Unfortunately, we live in a society today where we've just got helicopter parents who are just constantly swooping in to try to protect our kids, but really we're not protecting them at all. We're setting them up for failure in the future because we're coming in and we're solving every problem. Real protection says, let me teach you how to navigate that difficult situation. Let me tell you how to work with that difficult person. But some of us don't know how to work with difficult people ourselves, and that's the problem, right? Listen, moms and dads, we have a responsibility to protect our kids, and part of that is teaching them how to own it. I heard a story recently about a mom and a dad that called a college professor to complain about their child's grades. Those of you who are not laughing, was this you? Is this, am I telling a story about you? Is that what this is? Can you believe it? No, that young person is ridiculously responsible for their own life. And the parents that are swooping in trying to save the day all the time are actually doing more harm than good. You know, I have a friend who teaches in middle school, and, and she was really struggling through some things with a student who just was not doing their homework, would not study for tests. Like, no matter what she did to try to help this kid get better, he just refused to do the work. And every single day, she would come into school, and she'd have an email from the parents asking her what was wrong with her as a teacher and why their child was having bad grades. And she's like, because your child won't do anything. And then one day she comes in and she has an email from the mom and the mom is angry because her son came home with all of his schoolwork wadded up into paper balls inside of his backpack. And somehow that was his teacher's fault. You guys are quiet in this place today. But that's because I think this hits home. It's not easy to own our part in the problems. When we're frustrated, when we're angry, when we're dealing with crazy emotions, we can feel it, but we've got to stop to own it as well. We've got to acknowledge, what could I do differently? What can I do to get better next time? And moms and dads, I know I'm stepping on some toes right now, but you've got to teach your kids to own it too. You, I, have, I have two amazing kids. I love them. I think they are awesome, but they are far from perfect, and so are yours. I don't mean that in a bad way. 
They're amazing. But you ask my kids, when they come home frustrated with a friend and their feelings are hurt, we're going to talk about it because it's okay to feel it. But you ask them what the first question is that I ask them. What did you do? Why? Because there's two sides to every single story. And we have got to help train our kids to do this. We've got to help them learn how to navigate difficult situations. When they're frustrated because they're not understanding something at school, we can't jump to the conclusion that it's just their teacher's fault. Maybe we've got to help them get there early for tutoring. I don't know. Whatever it is, I'm just saying we've got to learn to own it. So feel it, but we've got to own it, too. How much are we robbing our kids of a great future by constantly jumping in and saving the day for them? We gotta teach them how to navigate this challenging world that we live in, how to deal with difficult people. We gotta do this. You know, but there's also a time, there's also a time to defend. My daughter Avery, when she was four years old, she and my daughter Brooklyn were playing uh, at the Irvine Spectrum, and we were with some friends, and so their kids were playing too, and we were out in front of the movie theater, and there's this tree in this courtyard, and they were racing around the tree playing chase, right? And we're just having a conversation with our friends, and. All of a sudden, I hear screaming, and I turn around, and I see my daughter, Avery, who's four years old at the time, and she's sobbing, crying, like just shaking, crying, and my daughter, Brooklyn, is trying to get in front of her because there's a mom who is screaming at Avery, and what had happened was Avery, in playing chase, had knocked down this mom's little one-and-a-half, two-year-old by accident. I mean, the kid has the biggest heart in the world. She was crushed that she might have hurt this child. And this mom is just screaming at her. And my daughter, Brooklyn, is getting in front of her saying, she didn't mean to. Like, she's sorry. She didn't mean to knock her down. And this mom just keeps going for it. So the mama bear in me comes out, and I'm about to not live a spirit-led life. I'm like, self-control, forget about it, right? And I'm headed over there, and thank goodness Pastor Kerry was there because he kind of brought some sanity to the moment. But we got in front of this woman and we said, listen, stop yelling at our child. And she just kept going for it and kept going for it. And at that point, I stepped back and let Pastor Kerry handle it. And he goes, stop yelling at my child. We can talk about this, but you stop yelling at my child. And she just kept going for it. And he just, he stood his ground and said, stop yelling at my child. And she got mad and went to find her husband. And he looked over and realized the guy that was with my husband and Kerry, they were a little bit too big for him to handle. And they went the other direction. But the point was, there was a moment there where we needed to defend, right? Now, we were responsible for how we did it, because we're modeling for our children what that looks like. And we're responsible to handle conflict with honor and with respect, but it doesn't mean that we don't defend. You are your kid's greatest depiction of who God is. And Psalm 18, 1 through 3 says, how I love you, Lord. You are my defender. The Lord is my protector. He's my strong fortress. My God is my protection, and with him I am safe. Listen, he protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. I call to the Lord, and he saves me from my enemies. Praise the Lord. Some of you need to know God's your protector. And I just want to pause because this isn't in my notes. Some of you might be dealing with a difficult situation or circumstance right now, and you're angry, and you're overwhelmed, and you're feeling all kinds of emotions, and it's okay to feel it. It's important to own it and to go, what can I do differently? But for some of you, you're walking through situations that maybe are outside of your control, and you need to know 
God is your protector. He's your defender. You don't have to defend yourself. He's got this. There might be a battle that's going on in your life personally, and you need to know you have a God who personally cares about you. He personally cares about you. And if you're a mom and dad in the room today, you need to know there's a time to defend. There's a time to step in. I tell my kids all the time when they're frustrated with their friends, they're frustrated with their teachers, hey, listen, you need to own it and go and talk to them. I think most of us, we, we want to avoid difficult conversations. We want to be mad at our boss or mad at our coworkers or mad at our friends or mad at our spouse, and we want to just be irritated about it, but we don't want to have the difficult conversation. And sometimes what we need to learn to do is what Matthew 18 says, when it says if somebody has hurt you or offended you or done something wrong to you, then go to them and talk to them about it. And if they don't respond well, then go and get a leader from the church and approach them again, right? But most of us don't want to do that because we don't like the conflict. But there is a healthy way to handle conflict. And you ask my kids, I'll tell them, you go and talk to that teacher that you're frustrated with. And if that doesn't go well, mom will come in and talk with you. You go and talk to that friend you're struggling with. And if that doesn't go well, mom will come in and talk with you. But I don't ever have to get to that place. Because most of the time, if we're willing to own it and to have a difficult conversation with someone, most of the time, you can find resolve. Most of the time. So it's important to feel it. It's important to own it. And then listen, you've got to lead it. You've got to lead your feelings. We are body, soul, and spirit. You as an individual are made up of body, soul, and spirit. And your soul is your mind. Your mind is the ability to choose. Your brain, where you think and feel, it's a part of your physical body, but it's controlled by your mind. We have the saying in our house and in the movement church, choose your way forward. Choose your way forward. Listen, feelings are real. Feelings are valid. You're going to have feelings. You're an emotional being. Feelings are real. But listen, our feelings follow our focus. Our feelings follow our focus. And you get to choose what you're going to focus on. Nobody else. You choose what you focus on. And if you'll choose to focus on what the Word of God tells you to focus on because it is your firm foundation, I'm telling you, it will change things. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication in thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What's it saying? You're not going to have anything to worry about. You're not going to have anything to be anxious about. No! You're going to have things to worry about. You're going to have situations that make you feel anxious and overwhelmed. But if you will choose not to focus on what you're worried about, but to go to God in prayer and to find something that you can be thankful about, it says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it's not going to make sense to you, but the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. Because it's saying, don't worry, pray, be thankful, and then peace. Peace will guard your heart and mind like a soldier setting up guard around your heart and your mind. It's not saying there won't be issues. There won't be overwhelming circumstances. It's just saying, choose. And then verse 8 through 9 says, finally, brothers and sisters, 
Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Our feelings follow our focus. So think about what's good. Think about things that you can be grateful for. Think about these things. And then it continues, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Our feelings follow our focus. So we can feel it, but then we've got to stop. We've got to own it. And then we have to lead it. We tell our feelings what they're going to think. Why? Because we choose our way forward. The Bible's saying choose what you're going to think about. Choose what you're going to focus on. You may have felt angry. You may have felt disappointed. You may have felt hurt and rejected. But you choose what you're going to focus on. You lead your feelings. And then the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So three principles of an emotionally healthy family. You feel it. You own it. And you lead it. Can any of you acknowledge that there might be one area that I talked about today that you could use a little work on? Anybody? Would you bow your heads and let me pray for you? Dear Jesus, I come before you right now. God, I thank you for every person in this room. God, I know that every single one of us in some way today might feel a little bit challenged in a specific area of our life. And God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would bring your encouragement God, for those people in the room who have been holding on to some overwhelming emotions, God, I pray today, just like we wring out a sponge, God, that your sweet presence would just help us to let go and to trust you and to know that you are our protector and you are our defender. God, for those in this room today who are just challenged to grow in their health as a family and their marriage with their children, God, I just pray that as we leave this room that we won't leave the same, that we'll walk out and apply something that we've heard today. And God, I pray you give every single person here the strength to do it. In Jesus' name. And could you look at me for just one more moment? I can't leave today, and we never leave a church service, without just talking to some of you who, who maybe you've never given God an opportunity to lead your life. And, and I don't know your story and I don't know your past. And honestly, you might have walked in here kind of feeling like the potato head that just has a million arms and nothing else, just flailing around looking for hope. And that's okay, because the past is the past, and God's not concerned about that. He can take whatever that mess was, and he can turn it into something beautiful. Jeremiah 17, 14, Jeremiah is praying this prayer, and he says, God, would you pick up the broken pieces of my life? and put me back together again. Listen, God can do that. But to build an emotionally healthy family, it starts with an emotionally healthy individual, and an emotionally healthy individual cannot start without the foundation of the Word of God. And you have a God in heaven that you need to know loves you. He sees you. He knows everything that you're walking through and the struggles that you might be facing. And I don't know if you're here today and maybe you've just been running from God and it's time to come back. Or maybe you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ. And today is your day. It's time to start something new. So I'm going to ask everyone in this room just one more time. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to invite you 
if that's you, to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to get out of your seat. But just between you and God, if you've been running from God, or maybe you've just never made a decision to surrender your life to him, would you make today the day that you take that next step? As I pray this prayer, just pray with me in your own heart. Dear God, I know that you love me. I know that you're real. I know that I've made so many mistakes and I've been trying to do it all on my own. But today, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he paid the price for me when he gave his life on that cross. God, I thank you for loving me in the midst of my mess. And today, I make a decision to surrender my life to you. And all around the room, if that's you and you're making that decision today in your own heart, just say these simple words and make them your own. Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.